Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome back to episode 11 of School of Humanity. We are Jason and Rachel Bowman, and we're happy to be back. We are. You know, talking about matters of the spiritual life and theology is my favorite thing in the world. I know. You guys think that he just does this just for the podcast, but he pretty much does this all <laughs> the time. I <laughs> mean, it's it's the good stuff. I mean, it's like you go to work and you talk about nothingness all the oh, time. I, was, I thought you were going to say you talk about this at work. And I was like, really? No, no, that, that would be amazing. <laughs> But I mean, your you knee sh- looks broken, but let me tell you about theology <laughs> of the body. <laughs> no, I mean, my interaction with patients is beautiful and I love helping them. But I mean, just with the people that you see often, it, it always resorts in this um, very superficial conversation. That right. Also, you've never, ever said that, right? Your knee looks broken. Has that ever been a diagnosis? Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it sounds very professional. Actually, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Your Fine. knee looks broken. Um, I mean, the knee. Okay, anyway, I'm not even going to get into it. Um, <laughs> that sounds legit. I would totally trust that medical <laughs> provider. <laughs> but so, we're not talking about broken knees right, tonight, right. honey. Gosh. The, um, so last, last time we went over the third rule um, of the discernment of spirits, which concerns spiritual consolations. Right. We talked about the differences between non-spiritual and spiritual consolations and how one can lead into the other, right? Right. Um, and uh, so this time we are going to talk about spiritual desolation. And Rachel, do you want to read? I can read. The rule. The fourth rule, desolation is all that is contrary of the third rule, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to things low and earthly, the unquiet of different agitations and temptations, moving to want of confidence without hope, without love, when one finds oneself all tepid, lazy, sad, and as if separated from his creator and Lord. Because this consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way the thoughts which come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts which come from desolation. So, just as in consolation, you know, desolation can be both spiritual and non-spiritual. And just as in consolation, non-spiritual desolation can oftentimes lead to spiritual desolation. So I think the non-spiritual desolation, I've, I've, I experienced that pretty frequently. <laughs> You're experiencing it right now, um, aren't you? <laughs> I am. So I happen to have gotten about two and a half hours of sleep last night. Right. And, you know, you come home from work. And uh, actually, today was pretty good, though. I wasn't really desolate, um, despite being really tired. Um, and but I think that was due to uh, 
caffeine, right? That's true. A few cups of coffee. Caffeine is actually a non-spiritual <laughs> consolation. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's spiritual. I don't know. <laughs> there are definitely times when I feel like it's spiritual. <laughs> so, so you know, obviously fatig- um, being tired, um, not having enough sleep is an example of non-spiritual desolation. Um, right. What would be another one? Um, I have a gigantic belly right now. Okay. So, um, wow. <laughs> uh, I am now eight months pregnant, right? Eight months. Yes. And so um, moving around is a little bit interesting for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so physical pain is what physical you're saying. Physical pain. Also, uh, like when you come home and there's just stuff all over the floor and I'm just like, I can't get it <laughs> like all day long. <laughs> Just stuff just builds up on the floor, and with three children, it just is there. So I'll just feel like I was going to pick that up, but I can't. Or how about when you clean the playroom, and then the kids, five seconds later, you've just spent an hour in there, and they come and just, like, destroy it. <laughs> in, like, two seconds. <laughs> right. That is definitely a form of non-spiritual desolation. Yeah. Um, And so, definitely, you know, there are different, different states of it, Uh. You can see our kids go through non-spiritual desolation a lot. <laughs> and then immediately into spiritual consolation. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I think yesterday um, Gemma had, oh, she she was playing on the couch and she fell back and hit the, the hard part of the armrest. And so uh, she's just crying, you know, just crying so much. And I, I go, do you, do you want a cookie? <laughs> Cookie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it pretty quickly goes that way. Yeah. You can definitely see how, you know, the the passions are totally taking over. Yes, in, yes. Um, the thought process of a child, but right. Or you know, let's say you're, um, I don't know, like for example, on um, School of Humanity night here at the house with the young adults, you aren't prepared let's say we're not we haven't read and so we're We've rushing never done that. to prepare the for the bed. night yes yeah. and uh that very quickly can lead into like i'm not a holy person <laughs> i why do we do this why, no one even I'm likes it i'm not worthy of this and you know uh, <laughs> so it becomes quickly like a spiritual matter where right. your you know your faith is challenged and uh so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely non-spiritual desolation, just like non-spiritual consolation can lead into spiritual desolation, just like you talked about, just like in right. non-spiritual consolation, it could lead into spiritual consolation. Right. Like with, um, was it St. Teresa of Avila? Right. Exactly. Or was yeah, it St. So. Teresa of Lisieux? No, it was Teresa of Avila. Um, Where she saw the, the mother hen, you know, drawing in. Oh, no, that was Therese. Okay. okay. So I didn't Jeez. know which one you were going Unbelievable. with. How do they have to have so many awesome stories about saints? Okay. Okay, sorry. So she saw the mother hen drawing in, um, what do you call the children? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> the baby hens. <laughs> I don't think that's a technical term. Um, that's right up there with your knees broken. Right. So we're clearly farmers and medical professionals on this side of the, the couch. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but, and she said that, you know, she thought that was beautiful, but it also reminded her of a passage from Matthew where it talks about the love of God drawing us under his wing. Yeah. Um, I think a note, okay, were you going to say something else? But that's it, just that okay. spiritual consolation. It was a non-spiritual consolation that drew her into a spiritual right. consolation. And this is, per me, this is not per St. Ignatius, but um, when it comes to spiritual and non-spiritual consolation, I think we we distinguish those for the sake of clarity and understanding. Right. Because speaking, you know, apophatically, speaking from the ideal, every moment could potentially be a spiritual consolation that you have non-spiritual. I mean, right. honestly. Everything. If you are living your life interior with Christ, you know, anytime something good happens, hopefully the Lord, you're reminded almost, right. you know, um, of the love of God. Yeah. Instantaneously. You're never yeah. happy without him being the center of it, you know? Right. Now I think there's probably not a, a, the same when it goes non-spiritual and spiritual desolation though. I think there is a true distinction there. Um, because, um, as we talked, as we were going to talk about with St. Teresa of Avila's example, um, spirit, sometimes just eradicating non-spiritual desolation opportunities for that can get rid of a lot of your spiritual desolation. Yes. And so yeah, we the were example talk about the fact that St. Teresa of Avila, you know, a lot of people would come to her to learn how to pray and they would come to her and ask her questions about, um, yeah, she's a doctor of the church, right? Who's so, known specifically for prayer. Her, her gifts was about prayer. You know, how do I, how do I pray? And so she, one of the sisters had come and visited with her and asked her, you know, how do I, how do I pray? I need, I need to know how to pray because every time when I, I go to pray, I always fall asleep and I just, I don't know how to pray. And what do I do? How do I not fall asleep yeah, so much? I can't seem to make it through I my can't prayer make time. It through it, you know. Right. And St. Teresa Avila just looked at her and said, you should sleep more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's waiting for this profound spiritual <laughs> right. um, answer. Don't you hate that? That's pretty And it's much, like, why don't you just sleep? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, great. Thank you so much. And probably during that time, she had like ridden on like a horse and carriage for like, 10 hours right. to get there. But I mean, I bet, I bet there was a clarity that came through in that person's mind. And she's like, wow. I mean, I mean, it really did distinguish for her. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm an unholy person or, right. you know, um, you know, I show lack of discipline or love for God because I get tired and want to sleep when I pray. It actually just means that I need to get more sleep and right. there's nothing wrong with that, uh, you know. So eliminating these opportunities of non-spiritual desolation a lot of times may be just the example. If you're a person who, you know, you really want to um, do a lot for Lent, for example, and you want to pray an hour a day or something like that, and you find that you can't do it because you're just so tired when you try to, you know, it may just be that you need to go to bed earlier you know, or that you need to pray instead of in the morning, in the evening time, or instead of in the evening, in the morning time, something 
like that, you know, an opportunity to where you change um, that um, non-spiritual desolation in some way. Um, right. Um, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of um, something like non non-spiritual that became spiritual recently. Can you think of anything with yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it the beautiful thing about being married is that Um, I could be like, I can think of a thousand things that I feel like Jason's life was. Well, no, (laughs) yeah, I mean, think of them for myself. If you can, then then please do. (laughs) I'm kidding. I would never. Well, maybe. Um, (laughs) no, I welcome it because I mean, I'm trying to think. I know it happens to me frequently. Um, or at least at least it used to a lot to us a lot when. um, when we are going into ministry together. Oh, I got a good one. I got a good one. Oh, unbelievable. Okay, you so, <laughs> you know, when the kids get hurt, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I don't have a good, for some reason I'm a medical provider and I can see people with, you know, femur fractures open through the skin and and that's fine and I can be calm and it's my element. But, you know, when my own kid falls off the chair and bumps his He's head, I'm, I'm like losing my mind. <laughs> Um, it is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. I go from having three, now four children to then having, you know, a fifth grown child that I have to also calm. (laughs) So, um, pretty instantaneously, I think that a lot of times when the kids are suffering in some way, and it doesn't have to be physical. If I, if I find that they're just really sad or I can see that they're becoming too addicted to electronics, things like that, I think there's... You know, I resort into a sort of spiritual desolation in which my, um, which we're going to talk about in a minute, in which my identity of who I am is challenged because I start to think I'm not a good father. Right. You know, I'm... um, Yeah, I frequently uh, have to talk you off that ledge. Yeah. Because I'll come in and, you know, the kids are, the answer is clearly like, take that iPad away or take, you know, they can't do that anymore or... Yeah. And Jason's just like, but they really want to. And, right. And I'm like, that doesn't. <laughs> I know. I'm so bad about that. You know, it's hard for me to, um, you know, enforce that tough love sometimes, right. which I know they need uh, discipline and stuff. Because I feel like, you know, I'm gone a lot at work and I just want everything to be perfectly happy when I'm here with the kids. <laughs> and so when there's, you know, when I have to discipline, I don't want my whole time with them to be, you know, me telling them no. Right. Uh, and that kind of thing. So, um, but yet when they're not doing, if, when they're misbehaving, and I know that they're not happy because they're making the mistake of trying to make their happiness rely and being able to play this certain video game. Right. You know, it upsets me and I feel like, I think part of me still get resorts to that, like, well, I'm, I'm failing them. I'm not a good father, and so right. then all of a sudden, my identity is challenged. I forget that I'm a beloved child of God, and yeah, um, I mean, I think that applies. My right vocation now with is my, a father, you with know. My, uh, with my current state as well, you know, I'll get. Um, <laughs> I I frequently have really early contractions um, that you know come like every five minutes and will last for hours and keep me up all night and stuff like that so I um every now if I give into that if I give into that non-spiritual desolation of just the pain of the lack of sleep of just the discomfort that I have it can quickly turn into you shouldn't have had this baby 
You know, right. you shouldn't. You're not a good mom. You right. know, right. Um, you don't take care of yourself. Those kind of things. So, and it becomes a an identity crisis. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at part of the school of humanity, one thing that we talk about repeatedly here is the fact that the evil one, you know, he doesn't have a lot of different tricks. And usually the first thing that he tries to do um, is to challenge you on your identity. And if you recall, even in the garden, uh, that's what he did with Eve is, you know, no, he knows that if you eat of the tree, then you'll be like him. But we've already read previously in Genesis. That they already were like Yeah. Them. You're made in his image and likeness. So, you know, he he challenges that. He, he tries to get at you at the very core. Because if you don't know who you are, if you don't realize that God loves you, not for what you do, you know, simply because of who you are, now my restless heart is content and is at peace and I can do things springing from that identity of who I am. So um, I think we've talked about that in previous podcasts, but um, so usually in spiritual desolation, at least for me, and I think it's a pretty common thing that a lot of times when you're feeling, you know, separated from God, when you're feeling lazy, when you're feeling all these things, you have an identity crisis. You don't remember the love of God. And although we've had encounters, um, you and I, uh, babe, in deepening encounters um, over time, and we know, like you said, like you had said previously, um, I mean, we... We always know Christ, you know. Right. Um, but there are times when um, we we don't know who we are, you know. Right. We, we and our hope is is then taken away because He is our hope, you know. He's our happiness, and so we very quickly, when we become hopeless, it's amazing how fast that can happen, and your whole life can go from. You know, I've got this beautiful vocation as a husband, as a father. I mean, my life is beautiful. I'm maybe a deacon, you know, all these things. And you're very at peace with life to, you know, hopelessness. I mean, it's amazing how quick the enemy can set that in. And by the enemy, you know, I'm speaking specifically of, you know, the evil one, but a lot of times, you know, St. Saint, uh, Saint Ignatius or, um, who's the author again? Uh, Father Timothy Father Gallagher. Father Timothy Gallagher, he, he refers to the enemy as, you know, basically mm-hmm. can be your own vice, right? Or it can be influenced from the world, from people around you, from the media and things like that. Um, can really get you to become hopeless, um, right. or challenge your identity, um, and the other thing that's very important to remember about this rule, um, just like the other rules and just like consolation, it, it's split up. Uh, St. Ignatius was kind of meticulous about the way that he worded these, which is beautiful. Um, like in the beginning of the rule, he talks about the forms of desolation and then later talks about the thoughts that arise from it. But one of the most pertinent things in the 
rule is that toward the end, he says, you know, he, after he lists all the things about desolation, uh, forms of desolation, like darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to things low and earthly, the unquiet of different things. And then he says, and as if separated from his creator and Lord, when one finds oneself all lazy, tepid, sad, and as if separated from his creator and Lord. The operative phrasing there is and as if separated from his creator and Lord. Right, because we never really are. Because we never are. But the enemy will make it seem that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what he wants is to challenge your identity and then isolate you. Right. Yeah. He never wants you to say a word about it. No one's ever felt this way that you have, that you're feeling right now in your desolation. You know, I can't believe you did that thing. Honey, you're getting ahead to the other rules. Oh, I'm sorry. But you're right. That's definitely (laughs) definitely what he does in isolation. (laughs) But the, you know, Gabriel today, our oldest, we were reading this book. It's called, um, Mr. Mr. Prickles. <laughs> Very theological. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it actually, I mean, everything is. <clears throat> yes, of course. And so we're reading this book and it talks about this, um, porcupine who he was trying to be friends with all of the other animals in the forest, but he couldn't because of his spikes, you know? Right. And so, they wouldn't let him come over for sleepovers, and they wouldn't let him I mean, hang out with them for their picnics at night or to play and stuff like that. So they just they just kind of made him isolated. But he really wanted to be their friend, so he would just stay up and watch them, you know, like when they're all playing, and he would just stay in his room and watch from his window. And it said that the more and more that he did this, the more prickly he became on the inside. Wow. Yeah. And so. Wow. Right? It was very theological. <laughs> it, it, you know. And so Gabriel and I talked awesome. about that today. And I just told him, I said, you know, when you get upset with your brother or your sister, um, a lot of times his reaction is, I don't want to play this anymore. I'm going to sit over here. You know, and I said, so that's that's the first thing that we do is we get upset and we want to be isolated. Yeah. And I told him, I said, but that the Lord intends for us to never be alone. Right. You know, and I, and so he said, right. And he said, I, I shouldn't want that. He said, I should want to be with my friends and I should want to play with my brother and my sister. And, and then later on in the book, he found someone that was like him. He found another porcupine that was named Miss Prickly Pants. So, <laughs> of course, that was her name. <laughs> um, and they realized that they could be alone together. Right. Well, one thing that strikes me in the, all the fra- all the different types of desolation that he talks about in there, which I think applies to what you're saying, is um, darkness of soul. And uh, I think people probably read that and they go like, "What is that?" I mean, like they imagine like. Uh, I don't know, your soul becoming, like, dark and, like, this evil, like, smoke-like. Right. I don't know. But, um... Smoke? I don't okay. know, you know. <laughs> we watch too much Supernatural, but... Um. Um, <laughs> um, but what he means there is a darkening of the intellect, meaning... Confusion. Confusion. And 
that is is such a clear sign right. of if, desolation. If, if I mean, you, as a listener, have the chance to look at these, the third and the fourth rule together, you can compare all of the forms of desolation with the forms of consolation, with the thoughts of consolation, with the f- thoughts of desolation, because they're exact opposite of it. Right. That if desolation leads you somewhere that is the darkness of soul, then consolation will bring you to light. Yeah, light. Clarity. And so, clarity. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that there are a lot of times when um, you know you need to pray. You know that you feel you've, you've had like a rough day. You're feeling kind of desolate. You sit down to pray and there's just this utter darkness of confusion. You don't even know, like, you right. feel like, I don't even know how to pray right now. So you, you know? don't. You, like, pull out your phone and look right. at Facebook. exactly. So instead of sitting in that, you know, and, you know. Pursuing him anyway. Sheer will, yeah. Right. You know, getting through it and just keeping your eyes focused on that cross, you know. Um, you choose to distract <clears throat> yourself. And that's really what Lent is about. You know, if you look at, at the, the three facets of Lent, you know, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, right. that those things for 40 days with intensity and with passion, with purpose, will become things that after 40 days you're doing it out of sheer will. Yep, yep. And you're no longer doing it out of passion or intensity. Sometimes you might even forget to do whatever you would promise that you would do at the beginning of Lent. Um, but we do it because it is a time of, of realizing that we pursue him because our soul wants nothing more than him. And even when he feels far, whenever he, we feel as if we are in darkness, that it is an as if situation. Yeah. That in the truth and and the fullness of knowledge, the beauty that we exist in, he is always right there. And we are never alone. We are never in darkness. And that we must just remember who we are. Yeah, and I would just encourage everybody the next time that you're in that state when you're trying to pray and you feel separated from God and um, this like confusion or darkness, try to remember that the Lord does not see you that way. Whatever you're identifying yourself with in that moment, let's say you feel guilty about something and so you identify yourself with that sin. You know, the Lord has never been mad at you. The the Lord does not see you because of what you've done he is love and so with the remembrance of his love is consolation you can almost immediately begin to pray if you start from that standpoint your job is to merely remember who you are as a beloved child of God and you know as a final note I would say that remembering that often is is something that Depending on what level of desolation you may be in, where you may be just sad and slothful and tepid, lazy, is because you need to surround yourself by some, by people that can pull you out of that, by people that know you well enough, whether it be spiritual directors, luckily for me, 
It's also my spouse. But to be able to be around people that can recognize when that is happening and lovingly remind you of who you are. Yeah. Um, or that person that, you know, maybe they don't recognize it right away, but you can go to them and say, I have forgotten who I am. And they can remind you, you know, aside from the many times in our marriage, I distinctly remember going through a moment of desolation. I don't even remember what it was about. But I remember sitting in my college dorm room and I was on the phone with a friend and they just were content. They just said something very simple. You know, Jesus loves you, Rachel. And I remember just sobbing. Yeah. And they just kept saying it as I was crying. You know, Jesus loves you. He loves you. And so if we leave you with anything, each podcast, let us leave you with that. With that, Jesus loves you. He loves you as you are. He loves you because you are made in his image and likeness. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Until episode 12. God bless you all. We love you. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.